Hey guys, welcome to episode number eight of Kitty Liddy with your girl Today. So I know it has been forever and a day since I have recorded an episode. As everybody knows, um, you know, when this pandemic hit in March, I think everybody just got stuck in the twilight zone. I know I did. I literally felt like I got stuck in the twilight zone. I felt like everything kind of just stopped. I feel like everything kind of went to like a standstill. I didn't know what day it was. And I just felt like my whole world was like spinning out of control. And I know I'm not the only one that felt that way, but I felt like it was hard for me to do my podcast because I felt like I was dealing with so much at the time, like everybody else in the whole world was. But I literally low-key, high-key, full piano felt like like I was having like a breakdown, like a mental breakdown. And I mean, I'm not just being sarcastic. I mean, I'm just going to get a little bit personal with you guys. I do suffer from anxiety and depression. And I'm not just saying that because, you know, when I say what I'm not just saying that is because I know during this difficult time this year, a lot of people have been dealing with anxiety and depression. However, I have been clinically diagnosed with anxiety and depression. So I just was dealing with it in some type of way that I really felt like I needed to step away from my podcast because you know I'm real as fuck, okay? Like I keep it one hondo all day, every day, 24-7, 365. So I'm not about to hop up on my podcast trying to be like, eh, you know what I mean? I just can't do that energy that I know you guys need. You know, you need that strong, positive energy. And I felt like I couldn't give it to you 100% at that time. So now that I'm feeling back closer 100% to myself, I know, fuck, like it seemed like it took four months to get here. But I'm here and I think a lot of us are feeling like we're getting there. I mean, it kind of feels like this year has kind of been a little bit like a nonstop, like, you know, like like that song on TikTok, who's next? Go, go. Like literally I felt like, yo, it's like every other day it's something new. Like, you know, you have the coronavirus, everything's shutting down, people are losing their jobs and you got the murder hornets and you got the, the cops, you know, killing black people. Not that it hasn't been going on, that's been going on for years and years, but it was just happening out of control. You had Kobe's death at the beginning of the year. I mean, it was just a lot. And then you got the riots. It was just like every fucking week, it was something new. And right when you think you got, you know, three steps ahead, you got kicked back 10 steps. So it's been a tough year, but I feel like it's a year that everybody needed So I feel like now we've just become so stronger together globally. And I feel like this is a year that needed to happen. We all needed this year because I think we needed to realize how important it is that we cherish each other, you know, not just family and friends, but just each other as human beings that we're all susceptible to having crazy things happen and losing control and helping each other and hugging each other during difficult times and uplifting each other. I think that's something that really came out of 2020. So I, in disguise, I feel like 2020 has been a blessing. So I feel like now 
you know, since everything's coming up and going, you know, damn near six months into the fucking year, I'm like, what better time to get Kitty Lady back on air with that real, real, I mean, obviously we have a shit ton to talk about. So I'm just going to be spitting out episodes. And you know what? Like, I'm going to keep it one hundo. Like, I'm not going to try to do this Wednesday shit. You know what I mean? Because I don't think I'm really feeling Wednesday as a day. You know, I feel like I'm just going to spit out podcasts whenever the fuck I feel like it. And then, you know what? That might be like two podcasts in a week that might be on a Friday that might be on a Wednesday it might be on a Sunday I don't know I might pop out four podcasts in a week I don't know I'm just gonna be spitting out content so you guys have hella content so you guys can binge I've been checking my analytics you guys have been binging my shit oh my gosh thank you so much for all the love and support like you guys don't even understand like I could literally have five listeners and I would be like so fucking happy because if I'm helping at least five people and they're really feeling the shit that I'm saying then that means you know it's word of mouth they carry that shit to somebody else and then to somebody else and to somebody else and even if that person isn't listening to my podcast my message is being carried on so thank you guys for the love and support So this episode, we're going to talk about two topics. I was going to talk about three, but you know what? We're going to probably hit on like two topics. So topic number one, obviously, we're going to get into the Black Lives Matter movement. This is like a big fucking topic, big, 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 big topic. So we're going to talk about the Black Lives Matter movement. And then second topic, we're going to talk about people who perhaps don't have the information they need that were furloughed or were laid off. And, you know, unemployment benefits are coming to an end at the end of July. I mean, that extra $600 if you were getting it or, you know, that stimulus check. I mean, I guess it's still on the fence that they're going to be sending a second stimulus check. So I just want to educate people who have not been able to pay their rent um, about what you can do. I mean, there are programs that you can become a part of and also how to navigate your situation with your landlord and And I really want to educate people on that because honestly, when this first hit, there wasn't really anywhere people could go to really get that type of information. And I know when I was calling around trying to get some legal help, you know, you can't really trust fucking lawyers. They're always looking for a dollar. But, you know, a lot of them were like, yeah, let me charge you a thousand dollars an hour to get you some information. So, you know what? Because I know this hits really, really low income people the most. I want to go ahead and give you guys the information right here on my podcast. And maybe you're not low income, maybe you're middle class, whatever. Like I want to give you the information that you need to take yourself to the next level. So you make sure your home or your house or whatever is good because there's help out there and don't let anybody bully you or, you know, trick you into signing anything that you shouldn't be signing. Um, so I'm going to give you guys information because knowledge is power and, you know, Obviously, I want to be able to help as many people as I can. So and then at the end, I don't know why I said so right there. And then at the end, we are going to have a words 
of wisdom, people. I know you guys have missed my words of wisdom. We're going to come through with the words of wisdom to close out the show. So I really feel like it really makes sense to have two topics, especially since the Black Lives Matter topic is going to be, you know, probably pretty lengthy. Um, and then, um, you know, going into that information in regards to, um, renters and homeowners and, and, and some type of, um, programs that you can look into to assist you and then words of wisdom. So it's going to be a jam packed show. And since this show is going to be a little bit heavier, um, I, feel like I need to give you guys something a little bit more uplifting and happy and joyy and all that kind of shit. So I'm going to probably look into throwing up another episode later this week, you know, around the weekend or early next week on a lighter note episode. But you know what? I just got to keep it real with you guys. I got I got to give you guys what the main topics need to be spoken about, whether it's happy, whether it's sad, whether it makes you angry, because every feeling is valid and we're in all the feels right now. So I got to give you guys the feels right now and let's just tap in. Can we tap in, you know, because this, you know, this is a family, this is a kitty litty family. So we got to be able to tap in a hundred percent and keep it 100. So stay tuned. Love you guys. Stay strong. I'm coming through with topic number one coming up next. So topic number one, Black Lives Matter. Wow, this is a movement, but it's been a movement that's been going on for so long and I can't believe it's 2020 and we're still having these same conversations we've been having for the past 400 years. But you know what, we're here and, you know, I really got to start off this conversation with bringing up Colin Kirkpatrick because, you know what, you know, he rung the alarm on this, I think it was about four years ago, and, you know, he lost his job, you know, you know, he lost his, you know, almost like his credibility, you know, we had our president Trump saying, oh, how dare he's kneeling at the game, disrespecting our flag and the Americans, you know what, like, I felt like at that time, it's not that we turned our back, I feel like a lot of people were scared to really speak up, because I feel like At that time, so many people were getting publicly denounced on social media by our president and getting their livelihoods, whether they were in the athlete business or the television business, you know, getting threatened that it was going to get shut down. And people were scared to lose their livelihoods, to be able to support their family, feed their kids like you, you know, have their job and their livelihoods. I mean, he was threatening that. So I get you know, the fear that people were going through. But you know what? Colin said, you know what? If I'm going to be losing my job, if no NFL team is going to stand behind me and want to hire me, and we know he's one of the one of the best, you know, I'm not really like, you know, I like to watch football, but I'm, you know, I'm not like going to act like I'm like a guru or anything. But um, I know he was one of the top, top players. And I just feel like, 
we didn't really support him and stand behind him as hard as we should have. Because look at where we're at now. George Floyd. Now, let me tell you, real talk, the whole George George Floyd thing, excuse me, was in essence a modern day lynching. Let me say that again. The George Floyd murder was a modern day lynching. I don't give a fuck what anybody else kind of wants to call it or word it or whatever, but that's what it is. That's what it is. You know, black people were consistently lynched over several hundreds of years. And his last words were, I can't breathe. Now, George Floyd, let me make this clear, is not the first black person to be murdered by the police. He's not the first black person that has suffered to systematic racism and racial profiling. He's not the first. I mean, there have been so many that have suffered this same fate. And it's sad that they didn't get the recognition that they deserve on TV, on social media, because there wasn't videos of it occurring, that there were so many mass cover-ups by the system, by district attorneys, by law enforcement, by lawyers, like by judges. There was always this problem and people are starting to see these names. Ahmaud Murray, Breonna Taylor, Eric Garner, Trayvon Martin. These people have a life that was lost for no apparent reason. The only guilt that they were punished for was living their life. Now, you know, I know a lot of people, you know, will look at this and say, oh, well, black lives matter. What about all lives matter? I agree with you. All lives do matter. However, how can all lives matter if consistently black lives don't matter? So if you're going to be ignorant and say all lives matter, let me make this clear on this fucking podcast. Okay. All lives can't matter until black lives matter. Okay. So you need to be saying black lives matter over and over and over and over again till it resonates in people's brains. So once they fucking get it, then we don't have to say black lives matter. We can say all lives matter because when all lives matter equally, then we don't have to say black lives matter. We could say all lives matter because you're going to treat a black person the same way you're going to treat a white person, the same way you're going to treat an Asian person, the same way you're going to treat a Latino person. And that's on period. Okay. So until black lives matter, I don't want to hear fucking all lives matter. Okay. Let me put that in everybody's brain on this podcast. Okay. Because clearly we have, the media taking words and twisting words and making it seem like black people are trying to put themselves on a high horse and all this kind of bullshit. No, but you know what's amazing now 
is that now because we have iPhones and social media, people are able to record things and they're able to put it up on social media in real time, which social media is unfiltered for the most part, unlike our local news. So people can be able to see these things happening in real time. And because people are seeing it, they can no longer have the curtain over their eyes. They have to face the truth. And I think a lot of people who have privilege, i.e. white people, white privilege, I feel like they don't want to see the truth. They want to just turn a blind eye and act like they don't see it. I don't know if it's because they're like, well, I'm white. I don't have to deal with it. Or if they feel like, well, you know what? You know, I feel so bad. I want to pretend like I don't see it. But guess what? White silence is violence. You know what I mean? You got to speak up. You know what, like if I turn around and I'm a black woman, if I turn around and I was white and I saw some injustice going on, I'd be the first person to be saying something about it. Because at the end of the day, if you're white and you say something against something that's wrong, going um, um, against the grain and saying that this is injustice and there needs to be justice for this race of people, that's not going to make you automatically lose your white privilege. You know what I mean? White privilege is innate. You were born with it. And it doesn't matter whether you are a broke white person or you're the richest white person in the world. You just magically get this power where everybody thinks that you are just superior to every other race. This has been what it's been going on from the dawn of time. Now, I don't think any white people need to be ashamed and need to be like, well, well, I just think how dare she think, oh, well, we think. No, that's, I'm not saying, you know, just, you know, be embarrassed of your, of your privilege, but you need to use your privilege to help other people who are less privileged and being, um, victims of a systematic racism racism system racist system that constantly puts them behind the eight ball even when they're not trying to be even when they're trying to do everything in their power to bring themselves forward okay it's not right it's not right you know it doesn't matter what race you are you should be able to live your life freely happily peacefully you know what I mean? I don't think there should be anything such as white privilege. I think that needs to end. Because why should only white people have privilege? Why can't black people have privilege? Why can't Latino people have privilege? Why can't Asian people have privilege? Why can't everybody have equal privileges? Does that resonate in your mind? Why don't we just say human privilege? You know what I mean? That, I mean, that. I mean, I'm just throwing it out there. So... It's just a whole thing, a whole system that is broken. And that is why we have the riots going on. That's why we have the Black Lives Movement. That's why this shit has been going on for so long, because this system is so broken. And I say system, and I'm not going to come on my podcast, and I'm not going to 
sit here and say, fuck 12, fuck LAPD, fuck every, all the cops. Because let me tell you, let me be 100% frank and 100% clear. I'm aware of police, excuse me, police brutality against black people. I am aware of racial profiling. However, I'm also aware that if we get lost into the thought process that our only enemy that we need to worry about is the police and that they're the ones that go out and are, you know, killing all the black people, then we're missing, we're missing the ball. You know what I mean? We're only getting 5% of the problem because the thing is, is that the LAPD and the police departments around the United States and around the world, if you will, they are not, how do I put this, put this um, in a way that people understand and they don't misconstrue it? They're not the problem. In essence, that I'm saying that they have problematic people within their departments, but as a sector, they are not the problem. Okay. So let's not pinpoint and say, oh, all the cops got to go. No, we got to take out. We, it's like almost like a basket of fruit. Okay. If you have a basket of fruit and you have a bunch of good ones and a bunch and, and, and five bad ones, let's say you have 10, 10, um, 10 fruits and five are good and five are bad. You got to take the bad ones out. Okay. You won't just throw away the whole basket of fruit. You would just take the bad ones out. Now, if you leave the bad ones there, what are they going to do? They're going to influence other good ones and possibly rub off on them and make them into bigots, racists, ignorance, abusing power. So there is a training and a cleaning house that needs to be done in all police departments. Because guess what? If you're a bigot, okay, you don't belong, okay, in the police department. Okay. Because guess what? If you're racist against black people, when you get calls to 911 calls, what happens if you have to show up to a black person's house? You're not going to give them the proper um, care and the proper assistance because you're racist. That don't make no sense. Okay. Just like you wouldn't want a racist doctor. If if a doctor's racist against Asians and he gets an Asian patient, would you want that doctor working on you? Hell no, because he might not do his job properly because he don't even like you. You know what I mean? So what we need to do is we need to eliminate the racist people within the force. Because if you're racist, then go find a job where you could be racist by your damn self. Okay. Because being in the police department where you got to work with people, work with people of all shades and sexual orientations, male, female, you can't be biased. Okay, period. Now, why I say let's not focus on the police department is that let me tell you one main thing that people need to understand. Okay, in this situation with the George Floyd situation, these cops are behind 
behind bars. They're being um, prosecuted for second degree murder, okay? We need to make sure that the attorney generals that we elect, that the judges that we elect, okay, because you're in the polls voting, right? Because you can't be out there protesting and you're not in the polls educating yourselves on these elected officials that are in their positions who have the final say, okay? Because this cop had the final say because he killed George Floyd. But the person that's going to have the final say is the prosecutors, the lawyers, district attorneys, okay? That's what I'm saying. And the judges that are going to decide um, their fate. And when they, if God forbid, and I don't think this is going to happen because I think there's, I mean, the revolt is here. I mean, they would be stupid to let these people off. Um, but let's just say, hypothetically speaking, they got off. Who are you guys going to be mad at? I mean, obviously, we're already mad at these these four cops, but you're not going to be mad at the judges and, and the prosecutors for not doing their job to be biased because you you got to be a racist motherfucker to look at this guy in the eye and say, I'm not going to put your ass away for the rest of your life. And the other three guys, I'm not going to put your asses away for the rest of your life after killing this man in broad daylight by having your knee on his neck for almost nine minutes. Okay. Any judge that let that cop off, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to call your ass a fucking racist and you're an asshole and a piece of shit and you shouldn't be in your position. Okay, but what we got to understand that this is a whole system problem, baby girl, baby boy. Okay, this whole system needs to be changed. Okay, and the only way we can change the system is by voting. Okay, we need to get these motherfuckers out that are not doing any good. You know, Mayor Garcetti, hello, Gavin Newsom, hello. They got the memo, okay? They heard the people protesting and they said, we're defunding the police, amen, hallelujah. We're diverting those funds back into the communities of color, hallelujah, okay? Finally, these communities are being funded because why should communities of color be defunded? You know what I mean? So clearly that money for the cops, which clearly, I mean, they get paid very well, okay? They get paid very well. They're very well taken care of. And clearly, maybe they get paid too damn much if they feel like they're on this high horse where they can just be throwing their power around and hurting people, okay? When they're supposed to be protecting the people, okay? So maybe it's like sometimes you got to teach people a lesson. And how do you going to teach people a lesson is that you take their money away, that's how you teach people a lesson, okay? Because once the money gets pulled, let's see how quickly and expeditiously the LAPD turn their ways around. I guarantee you the racist bigots will be cleared from the pack. I guarantee you training needs to be done. Education needs to be done, okay? 
and I get and new people need to be elected in and people need to be taken out and I guarantee you now that this defunding has happened it will happen and because Gavin Newsom and Eric Garcetti got so involved I will be voting for them again because I see that they care about um uh justice for all they care that equality needs to be had by everybody who lives in California don't matter what you look like and that's on period and so people need to be taking notes because people's actions speak louder than their words okay people can talk all day long till their face turns blue but until I see action I don't give a shit what you say because just like Jackie Lacey, district attorney general, I see her flapping her gums and she ain't doing shit to convict any cops that have done any wrong to people out there, okay? Has done nothing to get people locked up for petty crimes taken out of jail, okay? So take notes. So when you vote, whether you got your ballot coming to your house or whether you're going to the polls, that you know who you're voting for. And that's on period. Okay? Because if we don't change the system, it's just going to be a dirty cycle that's just going to keep going and going and going and going. So we can't just stop at the protests. We got to get at the polls. Because if you, you know, watch the history, the black history movement, you know, black people used to have to walk to the polls, you know, several, several miles. And they would get beat on the way to the polls and on the way back home. You know what I mean? Because they, people didn't want them voting. People didn't want their voices to be heard. So if we have an America today that you can freely vote from home and freely go to your poll and vote, why would you not want to do it? Especially if our ancestors fought so hard for us to do it. You know what I mean? So you got to take those extra steps to make sure that George Floyd and all these other black lives that were lost and, and, and sadly the ones that we don't even know about um, that you take the extra steps to really get involved, you know, moving forward because you don't want their deaths to be in vain. You don't want them to not see that we are not recognizing their life. And even though we can't bring them back, that we're not implementing the change to not allow this cycle to keep going on moving forward. And this system just doesn't stop with, um, you know, the government system, you know, the district attorneys and the judges and the police. I mean, when I talk about systematic racism, I talk about the schooling system. You know, uh, our schooling system is broken. I mean, you, if you look at the percentage of 
black people at that go to USC or UCLA or MIT or Harvard or Stanford, it's extremely low. And it's not that they're not capable to go to those schools. It's because the acceptance rate of people of color, especially black people, is extremely low. And that's why this is a systematic problem, okay? That's not okay. It's not okay, especially when you had that college, you know, the college scandals where you're having all these rich white people paying for their kids to go to this school, lying on their applications, paying people to take their SATs. I mean, how can I believe in a schooling system if people can buy their way to go to USC and UCLA? If people can get into those schools based on the color of their skin, that's what I call systematic racism. If you look at somebody, and this has happened to me recently, if I go to Beverly Hills to go spend a couple hundred or a couple thousands of dollars at a medical spa, why the hell would I feel like I'm being racially profiled? That before we can even start my procedure, you're asking me to pay for the procedure. And I literally, when this happened, I immediately... I immediately brought it to her attention as to, do you think I'm really not going to pay for it? And she stated to me, you know what? Like it, it's because it's over, it's over like $500. So we just have to ask for it. And something in my heart felt like it wasn't right. And it's funny because they did such a good job. I ended up going back again. And, and plus they gave me like a $150 off gift card. So I figured I'd go back. And when I went back, you know, my girl was a little bit late. And I literally remember going into the room. I mean, excuse me, before I was going into the room, this white girl came out and they, my lady was telling the front office lady that, oh, you know, her procedure was $600 or, or whatever it was. I think it was like 600, 650. And the girl was like, oh no, like, I think it's like five something, you know, cause bitches be fucking loud and shit everywhere they go. Um, and, um, you know, she was paying up front. So when I went to the back, I was just getting like a procedure that was under 500 and, um, literally, you know, she left the room and I was getting ready for my procedure and the lady came in asking me for payment. And I said, but it's under 500. And I just saw a white girl paying for her procedure after the fact. And then she, she was shocked. Like, I mean, it was like, a, 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 you know what I mean? Like, I, like, am I speaking English? Do you not hear the words that are coming out of my mouth? And, you know, I just think we need to stop with this racial profiling. The fuck is wrong with people? Like, are you shitting me right now? Like, I fucking am educated. I work fucking hard as fuck. I have zero crimes on my fucking record, okay? Not even a fucking petty theft, like stealing gum from a store. Like, I don't have anything on my record. I have the cleanest fucking record. And you're worried about me? You're fucking worried about me? Why? Because of my skin tone? So I feel with instances like this, um, you know, people need to stop doing that. 
Like, stop doing that. Where are you getting that in your mind? You know what I mean? Where are you getting that in your mind? And it's funny that everybody that I have seen do that type of shit is not people that look like me. Because the thing is, is that they get away with it because they know people are too busy looking at me that they can get away with that type of shit. You know what I mean? So I just need people to understand that this is a whole system problem. We need to stop racially profiling people. Why the fuck you got to racially profile somebody? You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, seriously, what the fuck? You know what I mean? You, you look dumb. You look stupid. You look ignorant as fuck. Okay. Why don't you just look at everybody as a human being? And if they give you a reason because they're showing like they about to do something shady, then yeah. But if not, then why are you just going to automatically assume that type of shit? So we need to just fix the, the system that's broken and it needs to start on all levels. Let's stop the racial profiling. Let's let's stop, you know, um, you know, the schooling system being like this. Let's stop the the government from doing this type of shit. We need to start on all different levels. But, you know, with addition with all those the first place where it starts number one is at home, okay? You need to educate your kids. I don't care how old you are. I don't, I, I don't care how old you are. I don't care what race you are or whatever. You know, you could be white, black, Asian, Muslim, uh, Latino. You can be three years old or you could be 20 years old. It's never too late to have this conversation and to educate regarding systematic racism regarding equality and justice for all this is a conversation you need to start early and you need to start them early because you see all these kids at these protests five seven years old you know protesting because they have parents that are having the difficult conversations with them you know, if you teach your children that everybody's the same, you don't see race, color is blind, you just see people for who they are, that's what they're going to take into the real world. And if someone told them otherwise, they would say, nah, my mom and dad told me this. My sister and brother told me this. You know what I mean? So they're not going to be able to take on what other people say out in the real world. You know, they're going to take what they learn from home. Racism is not something people are born with. They're taught that shit. You know what I mean? So the people who have the biggest influence on people is their family. So it starts at home. Okay, you need to have these types of conversations with your spouse, with your kids, because everybody should be on the same page. You know what I mean? And it has to be a learning process. And I know it's probably going to be different from the conversations, probably going to shift a little bit differently from a black family and a white family. But the message is still the same. You know what I mean? Because 
yeah, you know, a white family and black family struggles are going to be different. But if they're both educated on racism and how we can eliminate it and how we can love each other and how we can bring about peace and equality at home, the conversation is the same regardless. So that is my spiel on Black Lives Matter. Um, You know, we're probably most likely going to really talk um, about this moving forward, Um, you know, little snippets here and there. because, you know, this is this is a, a movement. This is a revolution. And I feel like it's not ending. I mean, I've been seeing people protesting for two weeks. Um, and I feel like unless, you know, real change is brought and not just a temporary Band-Aid fix, that people are going to still be talking about this two months from now. So I'm definitely, you know, going to use this platform to self-educate. And and if people, you know, need assistance or need help, um, you know, regarding anything I can do, you know, whether it's, um, you know, putting on my podcast, a local podcast and, and, and putting it on my social media, or if you are trying to educate yourself on the Black Lives Matter movement or how you can talk about racism with your children or you need somebody to be an outlet. I'm here. You know, I have worked with kids. Um, I, you know, I'm an oldest of, of three. Um, I really have a, a knack for talking to kids and, and really getting them to understand and open up to me. So if I can be an asset in any way, shape or form to to help people in my community and I live in Los Angeles, I want to do it. So reach out to me um, on my social media, B1K Barbie, and I will do my best to help you and this movement moving forward because I mean, I want to do everything I can. Um, and I just want to spread love and peace. So with that being said, we're going to transition into topic number two and stay tuned. So we're on topic number two. Woo, this show is like flying by right now. Okay, guys. So um, I told you guys I was going to give you some information regarding um, renters assistant programs. Um, So right now there is, well, first of all, let me start from the beginning. Okay, so as you guys know, there was a moratorium in Los Angeles that was put into place that deferred your rent starting in March, um, deferred your, wait, hold on. I'm sorry. April, May, June, excuse me. Starting in April. I'm like, I don't even know what month it is. (laughs) Starting April 1st until um the end of june so three months so april may and june um it is pretty much automatic that you have that deferral for those three months now i say automatic but i kind of say it like kind of cautiously because before 
excuse me, seven days before April 1st, you needed to provide um, a written letter to your landlord stating you were not able to pay your rent. Um, you did not have to provide any documentation at first you did, but you don't need to provide, you didn't need to provide any documentation. And every other month after that, you know, since you did that in April, May and June was automatic. Like you didn't have to turn in a letter every month. So if you are sitting with a landlord, that's like saying, oh, um, your rent, um, is not deferred for June. Like it was just for April and May they're talking bullshit. It's, it's deferred all the way from June as well. Now, this is what a lot of landlords will not tell you. So you have 12 months to pay back your rent. That is effective the day that the local emergency is ended. So with that being said, the local emergency is to be lifted July, I think, it's July the 4th. Um, if I'm, um, not like a hundred percent correct, I don't believe they have it online yet, but that's the last I heard is July the 4th, but it's in July, early July, first week of July. So you have 12 months from the day that the local emergency has ended to pay back your rent. So for those three months, let's say your rent was 2000, right? 2000 times three, that's $6,000. You have till July, 2021 to pay back that rent. Now you can set up a payment plan with your landlord. You might want to um, pay biweekly, monthly, or maybe you just want to pay one lump sum on that date but you have 12 months from when the local emergency has ended. So if they're trying to say, well, we, it's going to be 12 months from May, 2020 or uh, April, 2020 or June, 2020, that's bullshit. Don't listen to that shit. And if you don't believe what I'm saying, you could go and Google Los Angeles ordinance for the moratorium and it will pull up the most current ordinance and it will state all this stuff. You can also call, um, you know, the housing authority of Los Angeles. You can also call the business and consumer affairs office. They can, um, you know, pull up the ordinance with you and show you where in the ordinance this is stated also. And this is a big thing because, um, you know, I've, I've been seeing this going on. Um, and this is extremely unfortunate, but if you get a payment agreement, you need to read the payment agreement in full. If you don't understand what it's saying, unfortunately, I can't try to take you, um, to direct you to a lawyer because a lot of lawyers are being dicks right now and they don't want to help people and, and help educate people. And this is why I'm doing this part of my, um, podcast for you guys. Um, but, um, you can go ahead and, and try to call, you know, the housing authorities of Los Angeles and the business consumer affairs, even though they can't give you legal advice, they could kind of help, you know, um, you know, guide you alongside the ordinance and, and what's legal and what's not. Um, but again, they can't give you legal advice, but if you don't understand what it's saying, 
have somebody else look at it. Because let me tell you, there are landlords out there that are creating payment agreements that are straight up traps people. And if you do not, if you do sign them, let me make this a hundred percent clear. If you sign the payment agreement, And God forbid you get evicted or you have to go to court in regards to this payment plan because you defaulted and let's say you didn't get your job back or or there was some other financial problems or whatever it be. Let me make this clear. The payment agreement that you sign with your landlord after the ordinance has been, you know, put out and you then sign the payment agreement. The payment agreement is above the ordinance, okay? So you can't sign the payment agreement. I didn't even word that how I wanted to word it, but I I know how I want to word it in my head, but it's not coming out um, how I want it to. But I'm going to say it again because I want you guys to really understand what I'm saying Um, and I don't want to confuse you guys, is that if you sign the payment agreement, oh, it's coming to me. If you sign the payment agreement, it takes precedence over the ordinance, okay? So it doesn't matter what the ordinance says. If you sign that payment agreement, you have now locked yourself in a payment agreement that takes precedence over the ordinance. Now there's landlords out there that are even tricky, trickier and sneakier that they are, they state it bluntly, excuse me, lost my mic. They say it bluntly in their payment agreement that once you sign this, this supersedes the moratorium in any ordinance and that you you don't have any biases against it. I mean, let me tell you, if you think your landlords are not trying to cover their ass front and forward, you are silly not to think that, okay? So you need to read every line, understand every line, and guess what? If you agree with it and you're comfortable with it and you have a great relationship with your landlord and you just are comfortable with it or just don't give a fuck, then go ahead, sign it. You know what I mean? I hope it doesn't bite you in your ass. But if you don't agree with it, I just want you to know or you don't understand it or you don't feel safe or, or, or agree with signing it, you don't have to sign it. There's nowhere in the ordinance that states that if you, um, during this moratorium, once it's lifted, that you have to sign any payment agreement with your landlord. You have 12 months to pay the rent. And as long as you pay the rent back in the 12 months, you're good. You don't have to sign a payment agreement. It could be a verbal agreement. It states nowhere in the ordinance that you have to sign a payment agreement. You just are agreeing to pay them back the rent in 12 months. If you do not pay it back in July of 2021, then yes, they can evict you. But there's nowhere does it state in the ordinance that you need to sign anything, okay? So if you have a landlord that is bullying you during this time because they know that there's no lawyers out there that are trying to give you any information, they're charging thousands and thousands of dollars that most people don't have right now to drop down on a lawyer to read a three-page payment agreement, okay? And they're most likely not going to want to help you unless they feel like they can go ahead and sue and get a lot of money. I'm giving you this information so you can know. You need to 
protect your rights as a tenant. And landlords are not looking to protect your rights. They're looking to protect their pockets and and their rights. So just know that if you feel like you're being bullied or even if they're threatening you with eviction, okay, do not move, do not stress, do not get anxious or scared. They cannot do shit. Even if they try to illegally evict you, one, the courts are going to say, what the fuck are you doing? Like you're violating the ordinance and the moratorium. And number two, you can get a lawyer that will sue the shit out of them because what they are doing is illegal. So just stay calm. Everything is going to work itself out and just understand that you're not alone. Everybody's in this boat right now. Everybody had an unsure four months. So if you think you're alone, just don't think you're alone. I know it's going to maybe be rough the next couple of months, but just know that we're all going through this and we're all going to get through this. Okay. Money can be made and you, before you know it, you will be back on top and caught back up because if you're where you're at, You can obviously afford where you're at. And once you get back to your job or you find a new job, you'll be fine. So no point in stressing over spilt milk, especially since there's programs in place to protect you. And I just don't want people to feel like they're not protected and that they don't have rights. So I wanted to reassure people about that. Also, um, I wanted to reassure you that there's programs in place to help people who are making, um, I believe, let me pull this up right now because I don't want to talk out of my butt. Um, there is a program that, um, Los Angeles has in place, um, that if you're a renter in the city of Los Angeles who earns less than, um, 63,000 or less, 63,100 or less per year, um, the state, um, you may qualify, um, for a subsidy program, um, uh, in the city of Los Angeles. So the program will be up and running on July the 1st and, um, there's a hundred million dollars of federal coronavirus relief dollars that is being put into a local renter's assistant program. Now, what this program will do is that it will give you up to a hundred thousand, a hundred thousand. Yeah, that would be great, right? It will give you up to a thousand dollars a month for two months. Okay, through this program, and this will um, people who will qualify for this will be again um, fam. Uh, it varies on family size, but it ranges from. 63,100 for a single household or 90,100 for a family, for example. So there's income requirements, but what you can do before July 1st, and and I'm, I'm saying this because let me tell you, this happened with the unemployment. You know what I mean? Like shit, people were waiting last minute, okay? Like I was on top of that shit okay like literally march the 14th okay i was on top of it so please what i'm saying is do not wait do not wait till the last minute okay i know it's available july the first they say 
But, you know, check the internet, check the news because they're keeping people abreast. Because if you wait till eight o'clock, July the 1st, the website may crash. You may not have access to the link, like whatever. So you just need to, this date could change. They might push it up. They might push it back. And you want to make sure you're staying abreast. You want to go to the website, which is H-C-I-D-L-A dot L-A city dot org. Again, that's H-C-I-D-L-A dot L-A city dot org. Go to that website bookmark it okay i don't care if it's on your cell phone on your ipad on your computer laptop whatever bookmark that shit so and put in your calendar that you need to go ahead and you need to go on that website and click on that link i'm looking at it It says emergency renters assistance subsidy program coming soon july 2020 now it you know it says july 2020 i would be checking it every day you know what I mean? Every day, because that July 2020, one of these days is going to probably have an exact date. They say it in the article, it's July the 1st, but that could change. So if I would say put July the 1st, 2020 in your calendar to give you a notification, but check it periodically. And if you could check it every day, check it every day. Because when you're talking about if you fall within those income requirements and you can get $1,000 a month for two months, um, that's really a lot of money on top of your stimulus, on top of your, um, uh, unemployment be- benefits that we're giving you an extra 600 a month. Hello, like you need to do what you need to do to secure these government funds. So knowledge is power. And unfortunately, I understand during these difficult times, a lot of people are dealing with their kids, schooling their kids, stress over what's going on in the world. And they may be not, you know, watching the news or reading the news. So and and when I see a program that can help the community, especially low income individuals and and um especially sadly those low income individuals are usually people in my brown and black community i want you guys to have the knowledge of programs uh and help assistance that is out there in order to help you so i hope this knowledge is is serving to empower somebody or 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 families out there to get assistance um um during this very difficult time. And, and I know an extra $2,000 will, will help, uh, you know, people, you know, so if you qualify and I believe also, um, I need to throw it out there that I believe this, the people that can qualify that for this is people that live in uncorporated areas. So I believe when you go to the link, it will have you enter in a code for um, you, you could find your city and in, in, in the county and it will give you a number. You enter it in and it will let you know if it's an unincorporated area. So this is basically going this money is going to unincorporated lower income areas, obviously. So, no, if you live in Calabasas, Karen, you can't get this. So um, just so you guys understand that um this is this isn't going to be for everybody it's just for lower income individuals so um 
yeah, I hope that helped somebody, like I said, or a family. And coming up next, we got words of wisdom. Stay tuned. Welcome to Words of Wisdom, my love. So let me share this quote with you. Of course, you know, I needed to pick a quote from one of my favorite people uh, that I wish, you know, if I could pick somebody, uh, you know, dead to uh, have dinner with, this is definitely a person that I would pick. Um, is Martin Luther King Jr. I mean, what um, a amazing man that he was. And I'm sure uh, he is in heaven looking down and saying, wow, you know, look at how far we've come. You know, I mean, I, I believe that the problem has gone on for a long time and it's not resolved, but to look at these protests and see blacks next to whites, next to Latinos and Asians and people of all races fighting for justice, um, he, I, 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 I'm sure he is just so proud that we are finally getting it and we are taking big steps, big steps in the right direction. We, we still have a long way to go, but we have taken big steps in the right direction. And that's why there's no other than the beloved Martin Luther King, um, who will be providing these words of wisdom today. And this quote is an amazing quote that I figured really resonated with what we're going through right now with the Black Lives Matter movement. And he said, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Let me read it one more time. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And the fact that not only all 50 states, but the world is realizing this and getting woke, my heart is so warm. I feel so blessed. I feel so grateful. Thank you, God. Thank you, Martin Luther King Jr. Thank you to all the protesters. And thank you to everyone who is having the difficult conversations uh, with their loved ones to end systematic racism. And thank you to the elected officials who are making changes in our system so there can be justice and equality for everyone, everywhere. So stay safe, stay healthy, and much love from your girl, Tade at Kitty Liddy. Stay tuned for episode nine coming up next, coming up next, 
next. Uh, what am I saying? Not coming up next, but coming up soon. Okay, guys. Love you guys. Mwah.